Welcome to another ATP podcast. I'm Seb Lozier and it is a very big ATP podcast this week. Why? Because it comes straight off the back of the season's grand finale, the Nito ATP finals in Turin. We will hear from the year-end number ones in singles and doubles. There's the 19-year-old champion of Paris and Turin alternate Holger Rune on mixing it with the top eight. We have a total one-off, a brilliant chat with all eight finalists together in Turin. That is a lot of fun. We'll also hear from the new doubles champions. But first, to the singles, where it was Novak Djokovic in his eighth final in this event, looking to equal Roger Federer's record of six titles. And he was up against Kasper Ruud in his very first season-ending final. Points of the match. What a grueling exchange. And a big sigh of relief. Novak wants some love. 40-30. Just taking a moment to get the heart rate back down after 36 shots. Djokovic is the champion in Turin. It is a sixth Nito ATP Finals title for the Serb. A fifth singles trophy of the season for Novak. And it is a big payday as the undefeated champion. He'll take home the biggest paycheck in tennis. Over $4.7 million. Uh, perhaps more important than all of that, it's a statement victory this week. After a tough year on tour, safe to say, Novak is back. Quick to head over to the family, his son, part of the celebrations. Just over an hour and a half today, Djokovic wins 7-5, 6-3. Novak, many, many congratulations. What made the difference today? Uh, well, it's finals, you know. Uh, usually these kind of matches are decided very small margins and uh, one break of serve was enough in both sets. Um, I knew Kasper was playing really well coming into this match. It's, I think we both served very, very, very well. I think in some decisive moments, like in that 12th game of the first set, I just managed to put a few returns back in play, uh, make him, make him run, make him play. I was really pleased with the way I was playing, and from back of the court, particularly forehand, it was was looking to be very aggressive, and uh, it worked great. I mean, I'm really pleased with the performance. It's been seven years since you won this event. You've been wanting it, yeah. <laughs> the sixth title for a long time. How were the nerves on those last few points? Uh, well, a lot of nerves, particularly in that 30 uh, all point. That was the longest rally of the match. Yeah. Uh, as I said, you got to stay focused the entire match. Every single point, uh, momentum can shift to, to the other, uh, other side very quickly. You know, I missed a couple of forehands in that last game when I was serving for it. So. I definitely felt nerves, uh, but I, you know, I'm really grateful to be able to serve the match out. You know, I had a big serve ace to finish it out in style. Um, yeah, yeah, as you said, seven years. It's been a, it's been a long time. You know, uh, at the same time, I'm, you know, this the, the fact that I waited seven years makes this this victory even sweeter and even even bigger. To end this year on a winning note must be a a big deal to you. Huge, because I mean. I probably talked about this season and uh, how unusual it is for 1,000 times prior to this interview, so I'm not going to 
repeat what most of the people who follow tennis know. Um, yeah, just a big relief and, and satisfaction. And also, um, I look forward to, to have a couple of weeks off because, you know, I was really kind of uh, on the needles in the entire year, whether it was for tournaments or waiting for permissions to go somewhere. So I'm really glad that I, I managed to, to end it uh, in a positive way. It's an extraordinary achievement. Well Thank done. You. Thank you. Novak Djokovic speaking with Richard Connolly and congratulations once again to Djokovic who continues to make history, walking away with a cool $4.7 million after going unbeaten all week. He finishes the year fifth in the world, having only played 11 events and will, of course, be back early in 2023 to compete at the Australian Open. For Kasper Ruud, it was one better than his semi-final in 2021. He finishes the year third in the world, having reached the finals in Miami, Roland Garros and the US Open, proving once again he has the strength of character to compete with the very best. When you play a match, I'd like to think that I'm there to do a job, like any other person who is going to work every day. Good effort from Kasper Root. He's got a good mentality to deal with this kind of storm. I might not win, but I will give it my full focus and full intensity. If it's an hour and 20 minutes or if it's three hours and a half. Kasper Root himself to one of the best players in the game. I think out of 24 hours that we have every day, I think you should be able to perform two of them at least and have a good focus and put your all effort into it. So that's uh, pretty much how I think before every match. Kasper Ruud just got better and better. I'm Kasper Ruud and this is my mentality. Yeah, sometimes uh, you get more butterflies than others and it's tough to say why. Some matches uh, maybe mean something more to you than maybe others, especially if you play someone big or someone that you feel uh, you have a chance to win against and on a big stage. It doesn't happen maybe as often anymore because luckily I've been, been fortunate to play some big matches already in my career and I've felt those feelings before. Different demeanors as they came out, all smiles from Hubie, wasn't it? A lot more serious but what they will have in common, there'll be butterflies in the stomach. It's not as much anymore, but I still get those goosebumps and feelings. I think I was always quite well of dealing with the pressure that came from Norwegian media about if I was ever going to beat my father and beat his records. And I always realized, I think, uh, from a young age that it, there's no guarantee that I will ever be better than him or beat his records, but at least I will give it my best effort and uh, I will try to use him as my advantage and he has been very helpful during my whole career and taught me a lot of things that uh, you can only be taught by someone who has played before, so I think that's been a very good advantage for me coming from a small tennis country like Norway. Good clarity of thought from Rude. If you have a good and long career, you can play up to a thousand matches in your career, so it's just one out of many that you play, and even though you might feel pressure or nervous, there will always be another challenge or another test for you in the coming, uh, coming days or weeks, so no need to feel too much pressure about it. No panic at all from Kasper Ruud. Unless you're playing a Grand Slam final, there's no need to play a pressure, or feel pressure, sorry. <laughs>
Two years ago, during that uh, ATP 1000 tournament in Rome, where I reached my first semi-final at the big stage, and I was playing well, I was uh, playing a good match against Novak in the semi-final, and I really felt like my game had potential to uh, to reach far and challenge the biggest players. Can't help but think the experience of Casper Ruud at some point is going to start to yield a positive dividend. And since then, I think I've had been on a very good streak, and just a tournament can be very sort of changing in your career. And I realize that you can you can compete against the best players, and that I have increased my self-belief that it's possible to do. It's very very level-headed. Plays what's in front of him. Doesn't get too emotional on the court. Well, if you look down 10 years from now, I hope that I've had a good career, of course. I don't think you will ever achieve all the goals that you put for yourself, but many of them I hope I can do, and uh, I hope I can remember for being a good player and a, and a nice person uh, after my career. Casper Ruud with ATP Uncovered. The man Ruud beat to reach the final was Andrei Rublev, who was happy with his week's work at the end of another big year. Four titles and a final Pepperstone ATP ranking of eight. With more titles come more matches, but his physio, Mark Boada, told Jill Krabus that for Andre, that's not a problem. With the guys that, uh, that are successful and they, that they are so good, the thing is that a lot of the fitness, it comes from the matches they play. So actually you have to find this balance, uh, because... One thing is to play 25 tournaments, but you maybe play two matches per tournament. And the other thing is to play 16 tournaments, but if you play semis, final, stuff like this, you, you end up the year playing much more uh, matches and loading up the weeks much more. So, so yeah, like, like. So, I do said, you back off then in those yeah, weeks? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, it also de it depends a lot on the mentality of the player, because Andre, we are lucky that he's a really hard worker. So, for us or for the team, it's. It's more important to find the balance for him to stop than to really push him too much, you know, because he's always um, willing to do more and he wants to be the best. So he's always like, no matter the amount of hours that you tell him to do, he's going to do everything. So you need to, and if he's off, he really feels the need to do more. So you need to find this, again, to find you, this balance. You jumped the gun on me because that was one of my questions. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. I'm too, no, you ahead. said it. No, you said it. Um, I was going to ask you because that, that's difficult. I mean, yeah. it's a good problem to have, right? When someone well, yeah, works yeah, yeah, so no. hard. For us, it's, yeah, we're blessed, let's say, yeah. to, have, to have this uh, this opportunity because also for for us, physio or fitness coaches, like, yeah. The more you can do, the more you can also develop your skills, or the more you can, you know, yeah, prepare, prepare them. And so, are there certain um, key factors that you notice when you know he's maybe starting to get a little bit on edge as far as getting tired, or needs that time off, or needs to recover? Are there certain things you notice? Uh, well. I see it mainly in his face. You can see when he's really tired because he was never, he will never tell you where, if he's tired. And if he tells you, it means that he's really, really tired because he will always uh, try to go for more. So you really can see in the face when he didn't sleep that much and was really tired. You 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 can see it. So then, like we were saying before, you get to know the player a lot. So you 
you need to see how he feels and by the look how he's moving or if he talks much or he talks less you, you get to know the person and then you see if you can do more or if you can do less this is one of the uh, talking with other physios on tour it's one of the hardest things to do because when you're on tour you want to work or people that comes only for a few weeks they want to work but sometimes it's better not to do anything because the risk reward is it's you know it's higher uh, higher risk of injury and you know so you know you have to really know if you can push them or not seeing yeah the amount of uh, matches that they played or how they are feeling that day so I like to always find like new edges or uh, I always checking for new exercises to do and I like to mix it up a lot do a lot of like um, functional training and at the end I think Andre needs to to have a better body control so what do you mean by that let's say like Novak for example Novak you you feel that all his shots are under the body is in complete control so then he can always uh, find the right way to bring the ball the ball back in in a perfect position and then and Andre lacks a little bit of that because he has great endurance, he's strong, but the way he, let's say, he uses his body is not still good enough for his level. So how do you approach that? How do you... We, we mix, like, like... How do you study that, I guess? I just research and, you, like, like I said, you share a lot with, with different coaches or different um, physicians, and I do a lot of research also, like checking exercises that could work for him. At one point I was thinking if it would be good for him to start dancing to have a better footwork or... Or doing a capoeira exercises, or, or doing what? a capoeira, you know, this uh, no, Brazilian martial art that they oh, move the cool. whole body, okay, so yeah. they integrate the whole body in the movements a little bit. Uh, they they give them twenty million different names nowadays, but I don't know animal flow or yeah, stuff like flow, this. Yeah. No, so we do a lot of this stuff. So he involves the whole body at all times when he's doing exercises, and then focusing on on then the things that we want to improve more. If we want to work more on the surf. We work also different exercises for the shoulders, and so. and then as far as you say, you're always trying to learn and get better. What are some things? Can you reveal some things that you're interested in that uh, you're that you're looking forward to maybe working on or experimenting with? I w- I mean, I would like to do uh, maybe a bit more yoga with him because it when gives, did he start the when did you guys start the yoga? Uh, no, when we started because I was already doing yoga by myself. And okay. then with him, we, we were doing it a bit more before. But there are so many things, you know, to work. That's a good thing. Andre can still improve in so many areas that you have so many things to work. So at the end, it's like uh, one by one and, and try to put it here and there, depending on the week, how you feel he is. And, yeah. Do you feel like the yoga helps with the body control? And yes, completely. Uh, completely. completely. And, and with the mental state. Okay. Yeah. And meditation? Meditation also is. But okay. it's harder to do because they, they lose focus pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. So and but how yeah. long has he been doing meditation? Uh, we do it sometimes, not that he does it every day. We do it sometimes when on the yoga, we always do like a part of it. And then he had these earplugs with some music that supposed to disconnect a little bit his brain. But uh, we don't know how much <laughs> he's using them when he's alone. But have you felt? Yeah. Have you seen a change in him since you've been starting all this stuff? Uh, or has he said anything? Not really, uh, that he didn't say anything. It's how you feel it. I think he got stronger. We were also, let's say, a bit lucky during the pandemic because we could practice almost every day. And, and we did a lot then. And I think that made a big change in him. Because, like we, like we said before, you don't have that much time to work now. 
and at that time we had three months to work fully on him and then that that make a I think a big change you're listening to the ATP tennis radio podcast in the double showpiece match it was Rajiv Ram and Joe Salisbury runners-up last year against the team they beat to reach that final Nikola Mektic and Mate Pavic it is theirs this time. 12 months ago, they were runners up here. But a year later, Rajiv Ram and Joe Salisbury, the champions in Turin, as they see off the considerable threat of Nikola Mektic and Matej Pavic, who fall just short. But what a moment for these two. The first time that either of them has won this title. A moment to savour. What a team they are. They both have individual qualities, but they're great strength. They bring the best out of each other. 7-6, 6-4. Rajiv, Joe, huge congratulations. You've played well all week, Joe, but did you save the best till last? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, no, that's probably uh, up there with one of uh, one of my best matches, one of our best matches as a team. I think we, yeah, I think we're so proud of everything we've we've done this week. We've come through some tough situations, uh, but we stuck together the whole way, and um, yeah, so happy. I mean, I can't believe we've we've achieved this. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what to say. Uh, I mean, my partner played out of this world today, um, but uh, you know, I guess that's that's what you got to do, and that's why he's one of the best around. He, he saves he saves his best for the biggest moments, and just so proud of us as a team for sure. You're pretty good too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Joe, you're you're the first Brit to win this doubles trophy. Does that make it extra special? Yeah, I mean I hadn't I didn't think about that too much. Obviously that's a nice nice thing uh, to achieve, but yeah, it was mainly just about us as a team, uh, the pair of us, everyone that, that supports us as well. We've got so many people amazing people behind us. So um, yeah, it's just a massive team effort and yeah, we're we're just so happy with everything we've done this week. And Rajiv, you are not the first American to win <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah. However, starting back in 1970 with Stan Smith and Arthur Ashe, McEnroe and Fleming, the Bryans, yeah. your name's going to go on that trophy too. That must be pretty neat. Yeah, it's certainly pretty cool. There's been so many great American doubles players uh, and you know, so many great players that have won this, and it's just uh, it's an honor to be on that trophy with them, for sure. Give us an idea, Joe, of the way your year has got better as it's gone along. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, we've had some... Uh, yeah, we've had some tough moments throughout the year, but we've had a, we've had a lot of highs. We've had some some really good tournaments. I feel like that's sometimes how how it goes for yeah. us. We sometimes lose a few first rounds, but once we get into the tournament, especially at the big ones, we we find our level and and have done done really well and got some some big titles this uh, this year. So yeah, we 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 can be happier with uh, how the year's gone. A celebration tonight. How will that play out? Yeah, I don't know. We're just. Uh... I, I'm still kind of just on the court right now. I got to get off the court. Got to get, uh, got to get in that mindset. But just so happy to have done this. Got to get a trophy. Well yeah. done, guys. You played superbly. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks. Thanks. Congratulations to Rajiv Ram and Joe Salisbury, whose fourth straight year at the NITO ATP Finals finally ended with the title. As they approached the championship match, Jill Krabus managed to speak with her fellow American Ram and asked how they maintain that level of consistency year on year. Yeah, I think, you know, we both have the same mindset as to try to always improve something, you know, daily, weekly, yearly, whatever it is. And I think one of the things we've gotten a lot better at is, is uh, you know, hanging in there and fighting and, 
you're not always going to play your best. And I think, um, you know, that's something that even if someone knows you're going to do that, it's, it's almost an intimidating factor. I think we've gotten a lot better at that. And so that's something I think we're, we're quite proud of for sure. Yeah. And then being in this atmosphere as well, um, you don't get this huge stadium venue fans that, that often, um, that experience of having that experience. How is that? How is that for you? I think it's great. I mean, this event, you know, whether it was here uh, last year or in London the years before that we've qualified just to have, uh, you know, the double showcase, you know, in the same kind of way the singles is. Let's say all the matches are on center court. You have great crowds. I think it's such a unique experience. It's it's a lot of fun, and it's, you know, probably my favorite event on tour to play. Yeah, and, and as far as being able to have more of those opportunities, where do you feel like doubles can get stronger in that category where you do get to play in this type of atmosphere more often? I think personally it starts with really getting to know the players, you know, and, and telling the stories. Everyone out here has a story, you know, where they came from, what they did, and, you know, how they're special in their own right. And I think that's what makes, you know, sports in general so endearing was when you when you kind of know where the player came from. And I think uh, that would, if that was done to a greater extent, I think uh, doubles will would shine a little bit more. I think, um, you know, that's where it would start for me at least. So what can we know about your story? <laughs> I mean, you know, I've been at this a long time. I, I mean, know. I, I, you know, I've played a lot of uh, a, a lot of these tournaments, and you know, I, I used to kind of shy away from some of these facts. But I, I'm the oldest ever first time number one, and played the most slams. Thanks, yeah, played the most slams before actually winning one. So I think, you know, sometimes uh, it, it takes people, you know, different amounts of time. Everyone's on their own path, and I think, um, you know. It, it's okay to do it like that. You know, it's okay. Some people just takes a little bit longer. Some people get, you know, to, to reach their goals right away. And I think, um, you know, I'm quite proud of the fact that I was able to, to stick around long enough to do that. Do you, did you imagine that when you were little? I did not. You, yeah. No, no, I, I did not imagine any of it. You know, when you start playing tennis, you know, being number one seems so far away and all that stuff. So it's just a, it's, it's a, it's a pretty humbling thought. What's, what's the goal now for, for you guys to continue to, to progress and, and, keep at the top you know I think each year we you know we try and play a little bit better do a little bit you know do something a little bit better try and just you know uh, keep raising our level and that's what we're going to try and do next year as well and what of the tournament debutants this time last year Brit Lloyd Glasspool and Finn Harry Heliovara were playing on the Challenger Tour 12 months on they just missed out on the Turin final so what's been working so well yeah, we started playing together for the first time exactly two years ago, actually. Mm-hmm. There was a challenger event in Portugal, and yeah, we were working hard last year and improving our games, but this year it just started clicking really, really well. We had a couple of good training sessions and just managed to build confidence throughout the year, and all of a sudden we're beating uh, the top teams of the world, and it's just, it's very very positive circle it just keeps on going yeah and Lloyd why do you feel like it's kind of come together for for you guys this year so well um I think we've really started to understand each other and understand what each other brings to the court um each other's like pros and cons and kind of work with that rather than work against it essentially Mm -hmm. and just we've actually developed the partnership and actually worked on being really good partners to each other out there so it's not all been about the tennis it's actually been a lot about the partnership which I think has shown back end of this year can you can you maybe give us a little bit more detail about what that entails as far as what you both bring together to have that partnership work so well I think on a very basic level for an example it would be I'm more of a server he's more of a returner so then it's 
filling the holes and kind of working around that um, and then working on the opposite of what needs to be worked on, essentially. And Harry, I watched your guys' match yesterday and I love the celebration at the end, just threw your racket, <laughs> threw your racket out of your hands. The per- talk about your personalities a little bit, um, how maybe how different they are, how similar they are. What's your take on that? It, it is true that I'm more of a celebrator. Lloyd is, is the calmer one. Maybe that's also something we, we just have accepted and we know how to work with it. Like uh, Probably my role in the team is to bring a lot of energy to the court. Mm. And yeah, we we accept that. It's 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 great and also that I know that it's kind of my, my job to bring the energy. Of course, Lloyd can do it better and better all the time and sometimes he needs to, need to rescue me in that part of the game as well. But it's... It's nice. I, I just love to celebrate. I think when you win matches like that, you, you made a good job. Why don't you? Why wouldn't you celebrate? Have you always been like that, or is that something that's gotten stronger as you've gotten older? I mean, I, I've always loved competition, and mm-hmm. competition has the element of winning and losing. And of course, winning is is much better. And I just I just love it. Maybe nowadays I'm older. I know it's it's not going to last forever, mm-hmm. so I'm going to enjoy every moment to the full. And Lloyd, that sometimes that energy that your partner brings can be infectious. It yeah, can, absolutely. you know, rub off on you a little bit. Has that changed the way you approach matches or you um, approach the calendar year? Um, no, I mean, I think I've tried to work on bringing a bit more energy to match his. Mm-hmm. But as you said, it's kind of his role to bring that. That's his role in the team. Um, I do find it hilarious because <laughs> off the court, he's... <laughs> kind of stereotypical finish he's quite quiet and timid Uh and on the court he's so loud and so much energy (laughs) so it is quite the juxtaposition but no I love it it's really fun so when that happens it's something that loosens you up on the court that do you feel that way because sometimes when you get a laugh that kind of settles the nerves or settles how you're feeling yeah I think it's more so when he's like that I know he's really locked in and that's when he's going to bring his best so it kind of yeah comforts Mm -hmm. me and settles me and how about off the court? How much uh, time do you guys spend off the court? I would say that we also respect the, that we we need some time away from each other. Even in the tournaments, we see see each other a lot on the court, so there's no reason to go for dinners every night. So, and we're both that kind of people that we we need some time alone every now and then. So I think we we know each other really well, and we know that we don't have to be together all the time. And I think that's worked very well. We we. We don't get bored with each other when we don't see see so often. And what what are some of your interests, Harry, off the court? Mine personally, yes. Uh, uh, biggest interest is probably aviation. I okay. really love airplanes and tra- traveling and. All is that is that something from a young kid that you've been interested? Yeah, in? yeah. My dad yeah. used to take me to the airport every Sunday when I was I was little, and that's. I mean, this is kind of a dream job for that also as a tennis player you travel a lot yeah is that something you would pursue after tennis like yeah actually be a pilot uh, yeah, yeah actually I, I didn't play tennis for almost five years mm-hmm. at one point during my career and I tried to I applied to become a pilot but I didn't pass the medical so here I am playing oh. tennis again <laughs> well we're glad you're on the court but I know maybe in the future and Lloyd for you what are your what do you like to do off the court what are your interests I mean I like other sports but for me at the minute, I mean, I wouldn't call it an interest, but I'm studying a master's in business administration. Okay. So that's actually taken... Uh, is that online? No, it's no. actually in person, oh. part-time from Loughborough University. Okay. So that's taken up quite a lot of my spare time. And 
another reason, good reason that we don't always have to be together because I can kind of go do my own thing, study and try and finish this course. So when when are you able to do that? When, so ten, when there's really no off season in tennis? Yeah, it's essentially like every one, one module is every six to eight weeks and for three years and I'm in my last year and it's just kind of, yeah, we've been really lucky the weeks that my modules are, it's fit very well. And sometimes it was the week of Paris, so I had to kind of take mm. it online. If I wasn't mm. playing a match or training, I'd run back, get behind my laptop and join the class. But yeah, it hasn't been, hasn't been easy. Yeah, it has been easy, yeah. And last thing I know, we all know, you guys did a podcast, I think this summer maybe, about the experience in Rome when you weren't there and then collaborated together and got to play Rome. And from that point on, you've done well. Did, did that particular event that happened or that particular tournament, did that change your attitude at all or change your perspective to have such a great rest of the year? Looking back, I think it had a massive impact on our year. Mm-hmm. At the time, I didn't think so as much, but it was just more so that was our first real opportunity to play the top, top guys in a tournament that we'd never been in before. That was our first Masters 1000 because of our ranking and just being able to compete in that. And we played the world number one, we beat the world number mm-hmm. one we kind of knew our level was there. We just never got the opportunity. So it was just more, for me, a confidence booster and actually realisation that we could be one of the best teams in the world. And for you, Harry? Yeah, that's where you want to be in the biggest events of the year. And I think also because we didn't have any preparation to the first match there, we arrived the same morning. It also gave perspective that you don't always have to have perfect preparation. You can go to a match. We we just... I don't know, somehow learn to believe in our abilities no matter what the preparation is and we can we can beat anyone in the world. We beat the number one number ones there and even without a perfect preparation. So that just gave us confidence that we can we can really do well. Great to hear from the doubles players. They are always happy to talk and we'll bring you a special program focusing just on doubles in a few weeks' time. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and ATPTour.com. While the doubles team sat down with Jill, the eight singles finalists all came together for ATP Uncovered to answer some questions, swap some stories and basically, as it turned out, have a bit of fun. Casper Rude kicked things off. What champion quality do you admire most about someone else in this room? a lot to say about these two here. <laughs> well, I think I have to say to Novak, he's able to, to be super professional, to, to control his body, to hold the passion. Uh, doesn't matter how the, how the things are going. He always keep going till, till the end. And uh, that's something very difficult, especially in a super uh, long career after all the success. Uh, keep having the passion and the love for the game. I think it's something that I admire a lot. I'm really Privileged to, to have the rivalry that, that we had over the years. And I think we respect each other a lot and we push each other to the, to the limit and kind of motivate each other to, to go even higher. So it's great to be part of that era. Rafa Novak, the ones we saw on TV all our childhood, I think everyone here in the room, everything they have brought to the table in every match is uh, pure passion. And them playing against each other was some of the most exciting things you could uh, watch in sports, in my opinion. I already felt that Roger, Rafa Novak, they are just, you know, the best tennis players of all time. And people around me were like, yeah, Rafa is finished, uh, you know, he's injured, he's done. <laughs> I'm sure you, you heard it many times. Uh, you know, Rafa proved so many times that it's not like this. About Nogue, when he just came on the tour, 
everybody was like, yeah, this young guy, you know, he's not going to achieve much comparing to Roger and Rafa. And he proved everybody wrong. And so that's uh, what I admire. And that's why they're uh, best champions that ever existed. Some players don't have the, the quality to be able to, to improve, uh, you know, year after year. And uh, all these players here, you know, uh, I've been able to do that. So that's a big quality that I admire. What does it take to win the NITO ATP Finals and be the champion of champions? It's a good question for, for Novak. Yeah. No, Daniel and Steph. And huh? Steph also. Uh, more than me. <laughs> Daniel, what did it take? For me, it's about beating the best uh, players in the world because there is no other tournament where first match straight away you're going to play a top 10 player. There is not one more tournament like this and it's tough. You know, uh, my first year I went uh, three defeats. Second year, I managed to win it. And yeah, you have to be at your A game uh, from the first match till the last one. And that's uh, the toughest part, but that's what you have to do to win. Taking notes. <laughs> Oxford, brother. <laughs> Oxford. You have a new nickname now. <laughs> Steph, maybe? Um, I'd say the best of the best are participating in this tournament. Uh, the intensity is high. Everything is at its highest any tournament of the year, so you have to be very well prepared, be extremely mentally tough, I would say. You go from your lowest to your highest in one or two days. It's kind of a journey of the entire season con congested in, in seven days, so uh, it's, it's quite a unique event. Have you ever been nervous about playing one of the champions in the room? Man, I'm nervous every match, doesn't matter who I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> Even now, here I'm nervous. In general, sport. To have this feeling when you're tight, when you're nervous, that's something for sure uh, we, we're going to miss because it's something that you get, I think, addicted because it looks like you're afraid and you, I cannot make it. And suddenly somehow you make it and this feeling that your arm is shaking or the, you cannot hold the racket and you make it, it's like a give you, like a, that you're proud of, of yourself, that you did something that not many people can feel and not many pe people can go through, you know, and there's something that in the end I think we enjoy, but we understand this later. Great answer. Great. Yeah. Yeah, I think everyone knows what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you, guys. Yeah, everyone knows what you mean. Can tennis rivals also be friends? Wait, what? My English is rivals. Can tennis rivals be friends? We're all, uh, you know, professional and all mature enough to, to, to compete at the highest level when we're on the court, but also to have great conversations outside the court and, and be friendly. So I surely think we can be friends with rivals. Compete on the court, you leave it on the court, and we travel what, 10 months, 10 months a year with the same people? If you can't be friends with everybody else, then it's a pretty, pretty rough life. The fans want to know, do we have a WhatsApp group? Well, I, I think not, not here. Not here. <laughs> I was the one who never texted there. You don't even know why this guy is in a group. So I'm <laughs> one of those guys. <laughs> That's why probably they kicked me out <laughs> from a few of them. Let's maybe come up with a different question. What would be the emoji that you would put in in a group of all of us eight, if we formed a group today, which emoji would you choose? The eight ball. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Eight yeah. ball? Eight, eight magic ball, yeah. Oh. No, the pool. Nice. Uh, the pool, pool. Yeah. Eight ah. Good. It's like, the, it's the final yeah. one you need to put in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Correct. Good one. Good that's one. a good one. Yeah. I agree, Oxford, man. Thank yeah. you, Oxford. <laughs> Let's see if Felix Ojaliasim's new nickname, Oxford, sticks in 2023.
One man conspicuous by his absence in that chat was Spaniard Carlos Alcaraz, who missed Turin with injury but did make a flying visit to claim his year-end world number one trophy. At the same time, he also sat down to chat with the ATP's Kate Flory about an incredible Grand Slam winning year and also what he hopes his success can do off the court. For me, it's, it's really important to, I mean, to inspire uh, the, the young the young people, you know, as uh, I mean, as I had the role model, role model when I was a, a, a kid, you know, for me, I mean, to inspire the, the, the good, the uh, I'm gonna say the good things, you know, to, to the young, to the young people. For me, is, uh, is, uh, I mean, it's crazy, you, you know, as a, a guy who is uh, 19 years old to inspire the, the, the young people. For me, is, uh, is, is crazy, and uh, that's what I'm trying to, to do in on court and off the court to, I mean, to show, uh, to show and trying to, to inspire the, the young people. Can you put into words how special this season has been for you? Well, uh, it has been a, a dream season for for me. Uh, at the beginning, I, I remember that the, I didn't expect the season that I that I'm having. Uh, so many titles, big titles. You know, my first uh, Grand Slam. So it's been a, a really special uh, year year for me. I spoke to Juan Carlos Ferrero at the Australian Open last year, so 2021, and he told me you thought you could win every match you play, every tournament you play, even the Australian Open last year. He said, Carlos thinks he's going to win it. Tell me um, how important that inner belief you have. Tell me how important that's been for you. Well, uh, first of all, you have to, to believe in yourself. Uh, you have to believe that uh, you can win uh, uh, every match, uh, every tournament. You know, if uh, you have to, to be in the, in the top or to be the, the best in the, in the world. Uh, and I'm an ambitious guy, and uh, I, I I want more, you know, in in every tournament. And yeah, I, I would say that's the, the the key of of everything to to believe in in yourself. And uh, Juan Carlos told you in last year that the yeah I'm I'm able to to do uh, everything, you know, in in every match. Is it possible for you to name three favorite moments this year? I know there's been a lot. Could you name three favorite ones? Do you think? Uh, when I go in order, first one is uh, when I won Miami, when I won Barcelona. Uh, it's hard to choose. There's been so many good ones. Yeah, well, uh, I, uh, yeah, when I won, when I won the US Open, that's for for sure. And uh, I, I, I would say when I when I realized that I'm gonna end number one, so a couple days. Uh, when I won Madrid as well. When I won, when I won Madrid with my, my yeah, that's that's moment as well. Yeah. <laughs> five, five great moments. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah. Five. <laughs> okay, tell me about winning Barcelona and Madrid. I'm sure they were extra special for you being at home. Yeah, uh, well, it's always special to, to play in front from your crowd, your people, uh, playing the, at home. So for me, uh, be able to, to win the, the tournament in front of my, my friends, family, that the, it's, uh, it's difficult to, to, to travel with me and uh, see my, my, my matches. So having, having them in the, in the crowd in the box is so, so special and uh, share this, uh, this moment uh, with, with them is, uh, is really, good, uh, really good for me. You're number one. How did you react? How did you celebrate? How did you feel? Well, honestly, when, I, when, well, when, Rafa, when Rafa lost, uh, I thought that the, 
100 percent is is gonna wanna, I'm gonna end the number one in in the world. But the, I I didn't realize that the Casper uh, had to win one set. So I was with with my friends playing a table game, and uh, yeah, and, well I it was. Uh, it was calm. I mean, chilling with with them. And the, after after that, uh, so many calls in in my phone and uh, and stuff. But the, yeah, it was was a, a great moment. Honestly, when I talk with with my with my father, this he he was my uh, the, the first person that the, I talked. Uh, I was uh, tears. You know, I, I, I had to yeah, a bit. I, I, a bit, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> what did your dad say to you? That the I mean the. Whole, uh, I mean, um, the whole hard work that that I put there every day. I mean, since uh, uh, since I started playing playing tennis, or a long time ago, uh, every tough moment uh, pays off, and uh, I I deserve I deserve the, this moment, and uh, yeah, with all my team. But the, the principal, the principal one, the principal one uh, is myself that I that I deserve it. You really do deserve it, Carlos. Now that you're at the top, tell me how difficult will it be to stay there when there's so many great players on tour? What do you think it will take to stay number one? Well, uh, it, it's tough to to stay in the in the top four for many. I mean, for many time, you know, or a lot of time in a in a row. First of all, I have to to know that the, I'm gonna lose the, the number one, but the, I have to to be prepared to to work hard to. To come back to to number one, you know, but the, it's uh, it's still it's, it's still training and giving the the hundred percent every day, and of course still learning every day. That's, I would say that's the the key to to stay in the top. Since you got to number one, is that a conversation you've had with your coach, with Juan Carlos, about being number one and what it takes to stay there? Because of course he was number one as well. Have you spoken to him about this? Not yet. Well, right now, uh, right now I'm focused on the on the on the apps, you know, to to recover that as fast as uh, as as is possible, you know. And uh, I mean, now I I have some some days off uh, to I mean to turn off my my mind to disconnect a little bit. And uh, yeah, I, when I finish my my days off, my my holidays, probably have. Uh, before I start the, the precision, I'm gonna start with with Juan Carlos with the the new goal, you know, with uh, the new work and I start. But the, yeah, I will I will talk with with him. Carlos, are you able to think about one thing that you've improved the most this year? If you could name one thing, uh, the mentality. Mm -hmm. I would say that's the, the the key to to be the top. Uh, well, to be in the in the top to win the, the the tournament that I that I won. I would say that's the the, the mentality. I. What is it about the mentality? Is it is it desire or is it belief? What is it about the mentality that's different? To be strong, uh, to be strong in in the in the tough moments. I mean, uh, the, this, the tennis player schedule is uh, so long. You know, the year is so so long, and you have to to be prepared to to stay to stay calm to to be. I mean, to be your your hundred percent in the, the the whole year. You know, to be to be strong in, in the tough moments. I would say that's the the key. How much are you already thinking about next year and what more you might like to achieve? Have you set any goals? Yeah, uh, I mean, to win my second Grand Slam, I would say that's the, the, the goal for the, for the new 
for the new year. But uh, obviously, I'm gonna try to win a, a, every tournament, you know. Uh, and uh, yeah, but I, I'm gonna really want to, to start the, the year at the, the Australian Open and let's see how it's going. Is there one Grand Slam particular you would like to win? Uh, Wimbledon is it would be fine for me. Carlos Alcaraz, the youngest ever year-end number one in men's tennis. In the doubles, that honour went to the Dutch-British pairing of Wesley Koolhoff and Neil Skupski, who claimed seven tour titles in 2022, their first year as a pair. Here's Neil Skupski. It's been nice to kind of get to know Wes as a person throughout this year. And yeah, it's uh, it's been an incredible year. Um, and it's just nice to kind of enjoy someone off the court. I mean, it's I've been lucky with my brother. Um, I played with him on the tour maybe five or six years. And we could kind of open up to each other when things aren't going things aren't going too well or if they are going well then kind of we can communicate very well with each other um, you don't have to think about someone else's feelings because you know as brothers you'll stick together and you'll you'll get over it very quickly um, so it has been nice to kind of have someone else um, I am learning every 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 day with Wes uh, because it's it's something new to me to have not have my brother next to me and have basically a friend now uh, Wesley so we get along very well, and hopefully our uh, relationship blossoms. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned your brother. He's yeah. now coaching you. Um, he's here. Mm -hmm. So what are, what are the different things that he brings to the equation for you and what Wes brings as far as you say you learn from both of them? Yeah, so my brother stopped in. He stopped at Wimbledon this year. He retired at the age of 39, I think he is. Um, he just couldn't carry on. He was his ranking was not where it wanted it to be. It's and still fantastic, his, 39. Yeah, yeah. And, his, and his body, his body um, kind of his shoulder was giving him a bit of trouble, so he was struggling to serve. So he had to call it a day. But it's it's been a nice addition from um, halfway the second half of the year to have Ken on the team. Um, he he's the one that knows me inside and out. There's no one better to kind of bring onto the team which is always what I've been wanting um, I've always kind of not been the best with having a coach around me because I don't really I find it hard to trust someone um, as a coach to tell me what to do so having Has Ken, that been your experience throughout your career? Well it's just been um, I haven't had too many it's been basically been my brother who's kind of took me under his wing even when we were playing um, and also from a very early age, I've always looked up to him. So I, I trust what he says. And also my dad, um, from a very young age, he kind of got us into tennis. Um, he watches us all the time and he gives us tips um, on what to do and what not to do in tennis and also in life. So it's uh, it's been a kind of a family affair. Um, and yeah, and, Wes and what Wes has kind of brought to the table for me is he's kind of a bit of stability in my in my career rather than changing in the last couple of years partners um, I was kind of changing partners each week and it you're playing with some singles guys and they wouldn't practice with you you'd just walk onto court and it wouldn't be kind of a, a partnership it would just be um, you'd just be kind of playing your side and it wasn't really a doubles team um, so yeah it's it's been nice for Wesley to kind of bring his ideas um, forward um, something fresh I think that's what we needed 
Um, and yeah, just uh, enjoy the process. Yeah, well, you guys are off to a great, it's been a fantastic year, off to a great start. You did mention you and Wes mm-hmm. have very similar interests, but as as far as I know, not on the sock in football. No. Sorry, in football. You're a no. Liverpool, Liverpool. Liverpool fan, I don't yeah. want to say, and he's Chelsea, is that Exactly, right? yeah. Oh, so how do you get along in that, in that situation? No, it, it is good. I mean, <laughs> it's, it is nice to have someone, I'm a massive Liverpool FC fan. Um, I'm always watching them. If it's during the night, I'll wake up and, Stupid hours, even at, even in Australia at 3 a.m. to watch them. Um, I don't think Wes That's actually. A true kno- fan. I don't think Wes actually knows that. <laughs> um, so it was a good job that we uh, we won a couple of titles in Australia because he'd, if he had seen my eyes a few nights, um, <laughs> he'd probably be blaming me well, for the it losses. Worked. It didn't affect you. No, um, no. So it's uh, we. I got away with that one. So hopefully this he doesn't listen to this podcast for <laughs> Australia in January. Uh, but yeah, it is nice to have a similar. Um, things in common uh, we can obviously discuss things on a tennis court in the locker room but when we go for coffees and stuff and dinners uh, we can talk about other things apart from tennis um, and obviously football is one of the main things that we get along with and obviously fancy football recently um, is getting a lot bigger a lot more international people are starting to do fancy football and Wes is, uh, Wes is a keen fancy footballer um, so we do have a bit of a rivalry with that um, also, Ken, Ken's, a, Ken's big into that. So th- there's something that we can talk about off the court. Um, and especially on our days off, we can watch football together and kind of have a bit of banter. And um, especially because our, our teams aren't doing so great this year so far. Uh, I think Liverpool are sixth and Chelsea are eighth or ninth So in the league. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a, a, a fun kind of Australia and towards the start of next year because that's when the obviously the... The football season ends, so hopefully our teams can do a little bit better and make it to some finals and hopefully lift some trophies like we have done this year. All right. Well, I, we hope that happens too. Oh, thank you. No, you're, it, was, that was, it was great to talk to you, and I'm really glad you guys are doing well. You've gelled really, really well, so congratulations yeah. on the year. Thanks for having me on the podcast. On iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, and ATPTour.com, this is the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Have you ever wondered what it must feel like even just to practice with the very best in the world. Well, this week, that was the happy job of world number 536 from Italy, Gabriele Pirino. It's been amazing. It's really a dream to be here and to play with these players. It's always been my dream to be here, so it's amazing. Are you, f- are you from here? No, I'm from Palermo. It's from the, it's in the I've south. I've been to Palermo. Really? Yes, I've been to Palermo. It was very Did you like nice. it? I liked it a lot, yes. Really? I went by the beach. It was ah, Mondello. Mondel, Mondel, Mondel is famous. Okay. So how close do you live to the beach? I don't know, like seven minutes, okay. maybe. All right. Not so close, but it's fine. Okay. And so is that where you grew up? Yeah, Palermo. sure. So, so tell us, how did you start um, playing tennis? I started at five years old. And uh, it was my first passion always. My mother told me that uh, when I was a little kid, like one year old, I, I always watched play tennis. So I got since the, you were one, yes, okay. yeah, more or less, you know. I I got the club right in front of my house, so it's perfect. Okay, and so did you play other sports? Practice some swimming. Swimming, yeah. yeah. And uh, and stop, just this. Okay, so when you started when you were five, at that age, you knew you loved it right away. Yeah, it was like love first sight. So <laughs> <laughs> I. I always play tennis and uh, I think uh, I'm going to do it forever. Okay. So do you remember when you were watching tennis? 
depending on how old were you were when you remember. Who did, do you remember who you watched and who you loved to watch the most? I've always watched Rafa. You know, it's, okay. it's always my hero, my idol. So. Always Rafa. Yeah, I did I did watch you hit a little bit. You're lefty, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm here because of him. <laughs> because, uh, you know, when the players play as Rafa, they want to hit with the lefty players. So I'm here for him. <laughs> okay. So how did you first get the call to be a part of this event? At first, the Italian Federation called me. They told me the there will be this opportunity. And it was so thrilled. And what was your first sensation, your first feeling? Excitement, yeah. <laughs> just excitement. I was so happy. You nervous? No, at the beginning, no. But it's a strange feeling. Mm-hmm. It's a strange feeling. Yeah. Okay. So, who is the first person that you hit with when you arrived here? Uh, Medvedev. Okay. It was my first training year. It's a pretty good first one. <laughs> yes, yes, it was not bad. <laughs> and how how was that? Tell us about the experience a little bit. It was amazing. You know, always been watching him playing TV and playing with him. It was amazing. Just did, you, did you guys um, did you learn anything when you when you hit with him? I tried to see what what he does, no, <laughs> to to play like this, and uh, it's really amazing. Uh, I tried to watch everybody, and uh, to see what I can do in training uh, when I come home. And what what do you feel like you picked up from him that you can take to when you train? I don't know, cause he's a unique player, so it's not that easy to copy him. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe not him, but I try to. Uh, you know, to catch something from everyone. Mm-hmm. So, anybody else? What? Who else have you caught something from? I I watch a lot of Raf, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, a lot of Novak. Uh, so I try to, you know, their intensity, their consistency, mm-hmm. consistency. Perfect. <laughs> and uh, how they how they practice, so their mentality, their, mm-hmm. their attitude to the training. Have you hit with either one of them yet? No, I, I didn't play with any of them, but it's the same, you know, watch them, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, and who, so who else have you hit with when you've been here? I played with uh, Ogier Lassim today, mm-hmm. with uh, Tsitsipas, uh, Kokinagis, and uh, Arevalo Lorger. Okay, and anything you learned from those guys that, stuck, that struck you? How they hit the ball. Just how they hit the ball. It's really amazing uh, to see them play, to play with them, to feel how is their ball. And what would you say is different from about their ball that you're maybe not used to? It's of course heavier. Mm-hmm. They they hit it earlier. They go through the ball all, always. So I think that's the biggest thing that uh, that I see. That I see. Okay. Now you from Palermo. Yeah. You trained. You you train in Palermo as yes. well. Okay. Now there's been a lot of talk about the Italian tennis players doing exceptionally well right now. Yes. Um, and how well the Itali- Italian Federation is working and communicating. Is ha- has that been your experience, or what have you gotten from the Italian Federation? Yes, the Italian Federation is really helping everybody, every player, uh, also the, the one that right now they're not doing so well. But it's been amazing, really, because, you know, you can see the work, how every young player is going up. Mm. So they're, they're doing an amazing job. And what, how, how have you, like, what has helped you the most, would you say? They, they give us, like, this, uh, this chance, you know. They, they gave me this chance. They, they give a chance to practice to play with the better players so you can, you can be, become a better player. Do you have a favorite Italian player? 
right now maybe Berrettini. Berrettini? Yeah. Do you play like him? I haven't seen you play, I've just seen you hit. No, no, but. I don't play like him at all. <laughs> at all. Who would you say your your style is most? Or what, let's start with what do you like most about Berrettini's game? Berrettini has got a huge serve, huge forehand. Uh, I like how he stays on the court, you know, how, how he reacts to the point. So, And he's a really nice guy. Yeah, what reaction are you talking about? I don't know, when uh, he loses points, when he wins points, I like how he's always in, in the match. And still positive. Yes. Okay, so who would you say you most likely play like? What is your ex- explain your game style to us? I don't know. I I think I, I feel like I'm a little bit like Nori, you know, okay. Cameron Nori. Yeah. A bit like him, you know, with my back and then my forehand, a bit like him. Okay. Or so Manarino. Or Manarino. So what what is that? Can you explain a little bit what the what your backhand and forehand? Yes, because I got a, a really flat backhand, okay. and my I try to play with a lot of rotation with my forehand. So I think I'm. More like Nori. Okay. And I, I run a lot, actually. <laughs> so. And so for you to run out, do you feel, for you to run a lot, you obviously need to work on fitness. Yes. How much, what would be your typical fitness routine, would you say? How many hours a day? Well, like two times, of course, two times a day, like, or two hours in, uh, on the, in the winter, mm-hmm. two hours every session, so four hours in a day, or maybe in, uh, in the competition time, we, we do like one hour and a half, or maybe just an hour. Mm-hmm. And what do you usually do? I run a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like long distance running? Yes. Long? Okay. Also. Okay. We, we run a lot. My, how do you say it? My physio, yeah. a fitness trainer. Yeah, my fitness a, trainer. A fitness yes, trainer. It, it's really good. Okay. He, he also we work with uh, Roberta Vinci. Maybe you know okay, it. Yes, I know her. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's amazing, really. Yeah. We work uh, on everything. We we run a lot. Uh, yeah. Uh, we do also. We go in the gym. Uh, we work with speed mm. for no, everything. So, what would your typical day look like? A training day. I play tennis usually around uh, 11 mm. you know and before I I do fitness and then I repeat again <laughs> <laughs> yeah like okay. at 3 o'clock maybe or 3.30 around that time again tennis and then fitness okay and so you must take some days off I'm assuming yes of course maybe on Sunday is that hard for you are you are you one that wants to be on the court all day long yeah when it's it's difficult, you know, because sometimes I feel like I need some rest day, but when I'm in the rest day, I want to do something. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay, so if you can't play tennis on your rest day, what is it you would do? What are your other interests? I don't know. It depends. If Maybe if it's summer, I'll, I'll go to the sea. To for the sea? sure. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you a good swimmer? Yeah. Okay. Not that bad. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, or, you know, just go out with my friends, uh, just chill. Okay. Do, do you um, like other sports? Yes, I like, I love football, of course. I support Juventus uh, to the death. Okay, <laughs> yes. to the death. No, yes, yes. Is that running the family? Yes. Okay. Yes. So when you were born, that was yes, your... Yes, no, no, no. That's no. your team. It wasn't a chance that I would support another, <laughs> okay. another okay. team. My, my father would kill me right away. Okay. So. okay. All right. And uh, I like every sport, actually. Okay. All right, last thing. I know you're, you're young, 19 years old. Yeah. Um, just tell us some goals. Like, of course, after having this experience here of playing with the top players, what goals do you have for the next year or two? I think the, the most important thing from this experience is that I will bring 
it's a sprint to my training every day. I will try to repeat these things you know, that I do here so that I can be a better player, better, better everything, better person, because it's also important. Gabriele Pirino, very possibly one for the future. And one reason we can say that with some degree of confidence is that two years ago, that very same job was held by a young Norwegian by the name of Holger Rune, champion of Paris just recently and an alternate this year in Turin. As he told Richard Connolly, it's been a rapid rise. Crazy, <laughs> crazy in every way. I mean, it's uh, been a lot of improvements, you know, it's actually beginning the year as 103 and, and now top 10. So it's, a, it's an amazing feeling to finish the year this way. If uh, you had a paper, I would sign it right away, you know, the, the beginning of the year. So it's, it's great. I've, you know, I had a goal to finish in top 25. Now I'm in top 10, so it's even better. So I'm super pleased and happy. The improvements you mentioned, what's the biggest one? Yeah, I think, you know, especially my serve has been improved a lot. The first serve percentage, which helps that I can, you know, get easier points as well and and win my service games without, you know, struggle every time. And it's it's great. And then also the mental aspect. I'm, I would say I'm staying very composed on important moments and being brave. And then physicality has been improved. I'm growing all the time. So it's, it's natural, but I'm just pushing hard every day. And the idea of being a top 10 player and being around the best as one of the best because things have happened so quickly, I wonder if you've had time to adjust to that mindset and how you feel about it. I feel great about it. I, I like to be up here. It's it's a nice feeling. It's a very high level, and I can really feel that. And it also, you know, I mean, it's keeping me sharp all the time, and and you know, also very motivated in the in the same way. And you know, for me, I have the mindset to improve every small thing every day. You know, just improve one percent in whatever you do, and and that's going to make uh, make the big difference. And we're speaking at the NITO ATP Finals, and I wonder if this event down the years has played a part in contributing to that mindset because back from when you were a hitting partner <laughs> three years ago, you've been exposed to the very best in the game and seen their habits and had the chance to talk to them. Yeah, that was a great experience back then in London. You know, I had the opportunity to hit with them, to talk a little bit with them and, and see how they prepare for matches, do after matches, do in practice. And that was so inspiring for me. You know, it, I started actually, you know, senior and pro tour after that. So it was really cool to see, you know, where I wanted to be at. But still from there on, there was a so long way. But uh, yeah, it's everything has happened quickly, even though it feels like it's it's been a long way. But yeah. <laughs> We have pictures of you with Novak and Roger from 2019. Yeah. Do you recall those moments? Do you recall things they said, things they did? Anything specific that comes to mind? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was too, It was great practice. Roger was super chill, you know, he's a very nice guy. And it was, for me, a great experience to practice with him as he's my idol. So it was nice to share the court. And with Novak, we've shared the court many times now. And it's, uh, he's a super inspiration as well. And, uh, you know, he's still at the top. And how he can still manage to improve every time is, is amazing. But, you know, both of them amazing guys and, yeah. You have to take inspiration from everywhere, I suppose. You're taking mm -hmm. inspiration from the senior generation, mm -hmm. but also maybe from a guy you know so well in Carlos Alcaraz, who received the year-end number one trophy here in Turin last night. Did you see that? What, what did you feel about it? I saw it and I was uh, telling my mind that I wanted to be in that place next year. So uh, it's uh, it's great. He deserves it 100%. You know, he's won US Open, won you know plenty of titles this year and uh, beating the best players in the world. So for sure he deserves it. And uh, I had uh, I've had so many battles with him from the young age and it's, it's great to see that he's up there and, and I'm also coming there. And uh, yeah, I just can't wait for next year. I'm super pumped. 
And when you know somebody so well and you see them do it, I guess it must make it feel more possible for you. Yeah, I mean, I always had believed in myself, no matter who it was. If it was Novak, I would still believe it, that I could, you know, be number one. But, you know, it's it's great to see that, as I said, you know, young guys that you can kind of follow a little bit um, through the years and have some young guys on the tour like me, Musetzi, Alcaraz, Sinner as well. So it's, it's good to see that young guys can also do some damage. And no doubt they will do the same in 2023. That is it for this time. Check out the channel during the week for more exclusive content from Turin. I'm Seb Lozier. Thanks for listening. And we will be back next week with another ATP podcast. 